On today's episode of the Rundown Podcast, we are jumping into the Bible's Guide to Better Sex. We're studying the book Song of Solomon right now, and it gets a little steamy. So just a fair warning, this podcast is rated R for redemption, PG-13. It's more PG-13, right? Yeah, we'll do Yeah, that. we're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be a couple of jokes, but there's going to be a lot of really good tips and practices for you if you are married. Married. Sounds good to me. Married, okay? Let's talk about sex with my pastor. <laughs> Not having sex with your pastor. <laughs> Just talk about sex with your pastor. Grammar is the, punk, the, the, the way that you say it. It's not what you say, it's the way that you say it. Bible's Guide to Better Sex with Trevor. <laughs> Hey, what's up, guys? You are listening slash watching to the Rundown Podcast. My name's Byron. I'm joined, as always, by my boy, Trevor Knox. Hey, do us a favor. Like, comment, subscribe, share this video, leave us a five-star review. We will love you forever. Today, we're going to be diving into the book Song of Solomon, and we're going to be talking about five ways for you to have better sex according to the Bible. Yes, that is what we're going to be talking about in Song of Solomon. We're going to be talking about the Bible's guide to better sex. Now, Trevor, this is kind of funny. When we first started the study in Song of Solomon, what, what were you saying? You were kind of hyping it up a little bit. Yeah, so for every pre-show, um, you know, we're talking about sex. Yeah, you do it at the, uh, would, the hosting and the announcing. Right, right. I'd, I'd kind of introduce it because I'm like, don't worry, guys, it's going to get a little spicy and dicey in here. So uh, be prepared, tell the little ones to leave. And you're like, hey, man, we need to approach this from a mature standpoint. You can't got to stop saying dicey and spicy. It's sex. It's real. Yeah, we, we don't want to. We don't want to. We want to be mature about right, this. Right. And right? then you get on stage and you talk about women's breasts. Hey, a baby deer. So <laughs> that is out the window because we're talking about sex. Let it hang loose. Be yeah, free. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> in, in the scripture we're going to see today, he says, your two breasts are like two fawns. The twins of a gazelle. And I'm glad you gave me that analogy for because now it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, now it makes sense. Furry woodland animals. I know that's what I think whenever don't, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Don't, don't scare <laughs> don't scare away the woodland creatures. Uh, yeah. So uh I there's so many great things in Song of Solomon that I think are just really practical and if we apply them to our marriages, uh they're gonna be uh, really important for us because God wants us to have better marriages, whether you're single, dating, getting ready and prepared for marriage, whether you are married, uh, he wants your marriage to get better. And even if you're divorced, one of the things that we've been hearing from a lot of the couples in our church who are divorced, uh, they're able to look back and they're able to kind of diagnose yeah. where a lot of the problems went wrong. I was talking to one guy who he's uh, divorced and he was kind of telling me like, hey, this this sermon series really helpful for me. And I was like, man, I was kind of worried and praying about you because I know that you recently went through a divorce. And he's like, no, like this really, God's really working in my heart. And I'm able to do an autopsy on my previous marriage right, right. to see where things went wrong and to be able to um, get healing in my own heart. And so he's really grateful for it. Single dating, complicated relationships, married relationships, divorce. We have one woman in our church who, who's a widow and like this is inspiring for her, you know, because she's, you know, in her 60s, but she's kind of wanting to get back in the, the dating scene. And so all across the board, it's been really beneficial and helpful for us as a church. Yeah. And so are you enjoying it? I really am. It covers all scopes of, uh, of relationship because sex, 
whether you're married, single, divorced, it applies to everybody's life. Yeah. You know, we're all, we all have sexual parts of our being. Yeah. And God designed us that way. Exactly. Uh, and, and one of the, the refrains through Song of Solomon, she's been saying is, do not awaken or arouse in love until it pleases. Today we're going to see, she says, awake my love. Right. But what, um, but God designed that, that sexual desire in all of us. And it's a good thing. I mean, I meet people and they're like, I wish I didn't have sex or desire to have sex. And I was like, man, that's a good desire, but you want to make sure that you keep it in God's will. Right. And uh, what we're going to see today is that God's will and God's way actually is the best way. God wants for you to be able to have sex in a way that glorifies him because sex is a gift. It's a gift that God gives. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, three things from the sermon. The, we'll link it in the show notes. Three things from the sermon that um, we'll see today in, in Song of Solomon. That one... The wedding day, it's a great wedding. Two, we'll see the wedding night. Dicey, dicey. Yeah, and then three, the wedding gift. And the wedding gift is not a toaster. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, the wedding gift is gonna be sex. That's what we're gonna be talking about. The wedding gift is sex. Sex is a gift that God gives on your wedding and it's better than a toaster. I was talking with my wife and we were kind of talking about gifts that we got for our wedding day. We had a terrible wedding, uh, <laughs> by the way. We, we were 22. We were 22 dirt broke college kids. Uh, we weren't really involved in a church. We didn't have any married friends. There was no social media at the time. So we didn't have, you know, like these wedding blogs to read through. And we didn't have, you know, all these Insta Insta influencers with here's, you know, the perfect dress and here's the perfect placemats and here's this for the perfect wedding. We had no clue. We got married in a backyard. Nice. Uh, yeah, we got married yeah. in a backyard. We had a friend of ours mar- perform the ceremony. I walked out to Against Me's uh, Baby, I'm an Anarchist. <laughs> Uh, and, and, uh, and it was just playing, you know, baby, I'm an anarchist, which I am no longer, I've been saved and redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And then, uh, I think my friend played the acoustic guitar. We got married, had no cake, had no wedding photographer. Uh, and it was miserable. And then we went camping and I could only afford to take my wife to sleep in the dirt. Like that was <laughs> only thing I could afford. It, like we were just bad. You it, can't even use your toaster out there. Yeah, I know. But we were talking about our wedding day. We were talking about, uh, our wedding gifts that we got, uh, the best wedding gift we got, and we still have it to this day, 12 years later. Uh, it was a ceramic pizza oven thing that you put the pizza on and you cook it. We still have it to this day. What was the worst wedding gift that you got? The worst wedding gift. That's yeah. a hard one. I don't want to yeah, call Yeah, they might on. be watching. Yeah, I don't want to call anybody. Right it was just last year. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I feel like people bought a lot of the same things. Yeah. Maybe like it didn't close out on the registry. So we ended up with 48 white towels. Uh huh. It was nice. Yeah. But not. You don't need 48 don't white need towels. You only many, take two baths. A right. Because now we have a bunch of dirty towels because you get lazy. You don't wash <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. yeah for but, sure. Uh, well, the wedding gift God gives is going to be better than a pizza cutter. Proven. Better than a towel. Better than a toaster. Because we're going to talk about uh, godly sex. So uh, the first thing we saw is the wedding day. Now, I say this all the time. There's a lot of couples in churches. Maybe you're watching this right now and you're planning for your wedding, you're dating, and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to get married. A bunch of them. I want to get married. I mean, I meet a lot of people. They're like, I just wish I can get married. One guy who's on our staff, uh, I will not mention his name, but he's like, every time he preaches or every time we do like a discipleship thing, he's always like, man, I just can't wait to get married. I got to get married. It's like, hey, what was your takeaway? He's like, man, I just need to get married. And I was just thinking like, hey, the goal is not to get married. The goal is 
to stay married. Yeah. And a lot of people plan for a great wedding, but they don't prepare for better marriages. Yeah. And Song of Solomon today, we're going to see not only how to plan for a great wedding, but to prepare for a better marriage. And what I always tell couples is this, the first day is not the most important day. Trevor, what is the most important day? The last day, which I thought was a original quote from my friend who gave me my wedding counseling. Um, Sir, he serves here in the church, Brandon Stacy. Yeah. He told me the most important day is not the first, but the last. And I was like, that is such an amazing quote. So original, so great. Where'd you get it from? Got it from Brandon, who got it from you. Yeah. Who got and it from Mark Driscoll. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Driscoll. Shout out to Mark Driscoll. He's got a new podcast on the EXO Network, Better Marriage. Go check that out as well. Uh, yeah, the first day, there's a lot of people put a lot of stock in the first day. My first day was not the best day of my marriage. As we've heard. Yeah, uh, I'm praying that today is the best day of my marriage. I'm Amen. praying that when I go home today, it will be the best day of my marriage. The most important day is not how it begins, but how it ends. And every day is the most important day of your marriage. So go home today, give your wife a kiss, give your husband a hug, tell him you love him, tell him you're grateful for him, make today the best day. And a lot of people put a lot of planning in for the wedding, but they don't put as much preparation in for the marriage. So quickly, what we're going to see in the first section, three things to help you prepare for a better marriage. Trevor, what is the first thing that we talked about to prepare for better a better marriages marriage? Better marriages are sacred. Yeah, what does that mean? That means these are holy. These are very special. These are, you know, it's separated from everything else. Mm -hmm. They're sacred. They're to be protected. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she makes a joke about, um, well, it's not a joke. I mean, she's just saying, I made a joke about vaping in the sermon, <laughs> but uh, that Solomon's coming up like a column of smoke. Uh, it's like, was he vaping? No. Um, this is a reference to the book of Exodus as God was leading his people out of the wilderness into the promised land. So what she's really getting at here is God has led us to this point. Yeah. Through being single, through dating, through our courtship and engagement, we have trusted and depended on the Lord. We've done things God's way. We've sought him in our relationship. And because we put God first in our relationship, now we're having this to where God has orchestrated this marriage to take place. And I just really encourage couples to really consider that. You get in a lot of relationships because you want it to. You're like, oh, I like them. Oh, I, they're nice. Oh, they looked at me. They breathe and have a pulse, you know, yeah. um, or, or they're hot. Listen, we don't want hot. We want holy. That's what we're looking for, right? I mean, hell is hot. Don't mean you want to go there. Nope. You know, they believe in God. Demons believe in God. Doesn't mean you want to date a demon. Okay, write <laughs> that down. Don't date demons. Don't date demons. Uh, you want to make sure that God is in the center and the priority of the relationship because if he's there when you're dating, you know that he's going to be there when you're married. That's what, what stuck out to me the most. Yeah. Yeah, because me and my wife, we dated for 10 years before getting married. Right. But I truly don't think the relationship itself was sacred mm -hmm. until we let God into it. I mean, yeah. that's the whole reason we got married. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I told her the whole time she was dating you to break up. Yeah. You. And then and then she didn't. And then she did. And then you got saved. And Here then comes God. And now you're married. So uh, first thing is this, better marriages are sacred. Second, better marriages have support. Yeah, this one's really cool. I, I really like this because I see a lot of young couples struggling in this area where love is blind right? People say that all the time. Love is blind, right? Uh, but I'll also add that love is deaf and dumb. Uh, because when you're in love, not only will you overlook certain qualities in a person, but you will also um, do dumb things with them, dumb, sinful, foolish things. And then also you're deaf because you don't want to listen to other people speak into your life. You're like, I love him. You can't tell me what to do. Forever. Meanwhile, friends are trying to say like, hey, 
we think this is a problem. Hey, we want to hold you accountable. Where are you at? You haven't come to community group. You haven't come, you know, to church. You know, you're spending all your time going to the lake. You know, you're not really practicing uh, supportive relationships. And, and and then you distance yourselves from the people who love you the most. Here they have 60 men with swords by their side, the daughters of Jerusalem. And that day the culture would rally around the couple and the Jewish community would, would protect them to keep them from falling into sin and temptation before yeah. their wedding day. Keeping them accountable. Hold them accountable. Yeah. So my, my thought was this, like, are your friends blessing of your dating relationship? I mean, that's right. a question you got to ask, not in a judgmental way, but you got to really consider like, do my friends support this relationship? Not because you're trying to get their approval, but your friends see things about that person that you don't see because you're blind, you're dumb and you're deaf. They, if you're dating someone you know, they're going to present their best self in front of you, but they could be doing something else somewhere else with who everybody else, right? And so your friends are kind of keenly aware of those things. And so if they're blessing you, praise the Lord. But if they're worried, you need to really have caution and concern because maybe that's not going to be a healthy relationship. It might not even lead to a better marriage. Yeah, because unfortunately, a lot of that leads to like them not listening and heartbreak. Yeah. Right. You you get hurt. Regret. Yeah. Regret. And, and you could have just listened to your wise peers yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a kid listening to this, listen to your parents. I mean, if you have godly parents who want the best for you, listen to them because they love you. Let your parents break your heart yeah. before, let your parents break your Did heart. Did your parents allow you to listen to this episode? Yeah. Let your parents break your heart. So that way, whoever you're getting married to doesn't right. kind of thing. And then the last thing is this, is they're sacrificial. Uh, we, we're to love one another the way that Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us by sacrificing himself. This is called the covenant. Um, in the Old Testament, it's the way that God related to us through the covenant. It's how he entered into relationship with us. And it's the way that we enter into relationship marriage with our spouse, not through a contract, but through a covenant. Contract is goods and services. You do this, I do this, we're happy. But the moment you don't do this, the moment I'm not happy, it's over. Covenant is like, even though I sin, Jesus never leaves me, forsakes me, nor gives up on me. He loves me forever. He forgives me. Jesus is always there for me. Therefore, even when you sin, make a mistake, I'm still going to be there for you. I'm going to sacrifice my life for the better of this relationship. Yeah. If you're not sacrificing for your partner, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some glaring holes there. Yeah. And things that are wrong with the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Sacrifice is the number one reason for divorce, according to a lot of research I've read, is just lack of commitment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another way to say that is uh, both persons in the party or or in in the relationship are unwilling to make the sacrifices required to make the marriage work. Yeah. There's going to be sin. Uh, There's going to be temptations. There's going to be fights. There's going to be arguments. But there really needs to be forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're to love one another the way Jesus loves us because the most important day is not the first day. It's the last day. And so we have to be forgiving and kind and patient. We have to be loving. We have to be sacrificial with each other. And that's how we can plan for a better marriage. Now, the question that I asked them, it's a question I'll ask you, are you willing to make that kind of sacrifice? You know, that's really important. I mean, people are like getting married and then a year later, they're like, I didn't think it was going to be this way. I have regret. I wish I wouldn't have done this. Oh, I made a mistake. Who did I marry? The question is not who did you marry? The question is who are you? Maybe you're the wrong person because you're unwilling to make these forms of sacrifices. And then they kill the relationship instead of allowing Jesus to kill the sin. You have to sacrifice to be the person you were looking for is looking for. Yeah. You got to be the person, the person you're looking for is looking for. And that requires us making sacrifices. So that's the wedding day. I love this. I didn't say this in the sermon, but you're the rundown people. You get a little behind the scenes. Uh, The Shulamite woman was actually um, like a maiden. Mm -hmm. So she was working in the field. Solomon's the king. 
Okay, this is kind of like a Cinderella story. Like she was a poor, rural, humble, you know, I was, for chapter one, like my brothers made me work in the fields. She was like a, she was a maiden. And then she met the king. The glass slipper. And yeah, hey. and all of that. And like now she's having, she's going from, you know, rags to riches, basically. She was a maiden and now she's in the palace. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a gold, he has a big carriage made of gold coming to pick her up. He's got I a mean, big neck. Big, 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 um, big wedding day. It's beautiful. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that's the wedding day. Moving on to the wedding night. Now, Here it is. Now, Trevor, we're not going to get into all of the nitty gritty details, but he does say, baby, you look like a goat. Hello. Yeah, that's a bad joke. Uh, <laughs> for the second time. <laughs> was, that as good, was that as good for the rundown as it was on the sermon? No. What, <laughs> what, about, what about the sermon when I did this? Oh. That was my favorite part with the Wookiee. With the Wookiee. The, the Wookiee didn't get enough love. Guys, go watch this. Yeah. 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 So um, the baby goat part. thing, the, the goat thing is basically uh, she let her hair down and that's yeah. what it is. I don't know what it is when a lady wets the hair down. It's the wedding night. You know, that's the best analogy they had at the time and we're going to give it to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what kind of analogy would you come up with today? Um, your, your hair is like. I figured you'd like it because it's like farmland animals. You're it, all big into you're big into that stuff. Yeah, I'd probably stick around there. It's like a mane yeah. of a possum. Uh, oh, right? gross! Yeah, that's even worse, man. Recently washed. That's even that's terrible. <laughs> I love possums. That's real. You know what we should do an upcoming sermon. We should rewrite uh, what we read in Song of Solomon. Make it updated. Hmm. So yeah, we could say th- you know we could, we should rewrite it. We'll, it's not all about you having all your teeth. We'll we'll work on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, she has all of her teeth. You know, praise the Lord for that. Uh, but then he does add this on the wedding night. He says, there is no flaw in you. Uh, this is the part that I got the most feedback on from the message. And I think it's something that we really need to talk about. I think so. Uh, the wedding night. We live in a culture that puts a lot of expectation and pressure, especially on women, when it comes to their looks, their appearance, body, or their identity. Uh, and that even extends into their sexuality. Uh, but he says here, there is no flaw in you. We know that's not true because... We've already seen on many occasions that she has insecurities and that there are things about her body that she does not like, and she doesn't meet the cultural standards of beauty that are for that day. Yeah. But he still says this. He says, there is no flaw in you. Now, how is it possible for him to say that? I get the way you spun it and the way, what it means is that he's perfect for her. Yeah. Right. Like that he is the, she is the ideal spouse for him, which Mm -hmm. is how we should be looking at our spouses. Yeah. You know, like no matter the circumstance. Yeah. Your spouse is the definition of perfection for you. Right. You went into how Ashley, no matter what, it's a definition of perfect for you. Yeah. And you know, the same relates to me and my wife, Kayla. So she is perfect for me. She's Mm -hmm. the ideal. Because she's her. Because she's her. Yeah. Right. And she was, you know, that's, that's my wife. Yeah. So in 30 years, I'm going to be into old chicks because Kayla's going to be old. And y'all met when you were 16? Um, I was 17. Yeah. 17. So yeah. you're not into 17 year olds anymore, right? Definitely not. You're into, how old is she? She is 27. You're in 27 year olds. That's right. Right. And then when she's 57, you're going to be into 57 year olds. What up grandma? Yeah, that's right. Because our spouses are definite. And here's the reason why. Because comparison, as I said in the sermon, comparison is the enemy to intimacy. Like if you're comparing your spouse to other people, you will never be able to have the intimacy that we read in Song of Solomon because you're going to be putting expectations on them that God never intended for them to have. This is why pornography and premarital sex are so devastating to relationships is because what it does is it causes you to compare your spouse to someone else. 
and you're never going to be able to to enjoy your spouse when you're comparing them to porn, to past relationships, to people you see on the TV, on the internet, and you're trying to compare them and you're going to rob yourself of true intimacy because you're not going to be able to appreciate and to enjoy your spouse. He says, there is no flaw in you. Your spouse is perfect. So whenever me and Ashley got married, like she looked one way. After 15 years of being together, uh, she looks different. I mean, two babies, three church plants, moving across the country, uh, ministry for eight years. Married looks to different. a pastor. Yeah, it looks looks different, you know? I mean, the difference between uh, just being without children and the way that her body has changed for the better after having kids, you know? I mean, like, she looks different, but yet I'm captivated by her. Yeah. I, I love her with a love and a longing that is more precious and holy now than it ever was whenever even we first got married. And I don't look the same way I did then either. I got gray hairs in my beard. You know, I've put on about 40 pounds since we got married. Yeah, it so, works out for me. I mean, yeah. yeah. Women <laughs> age like wine, men age like milk, you know? Uh, and so, so we get the better end of the stick, but we you do. have to make sure you're looking yeah. at it the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And so you just don't want to compare your spouse to other people. You want for them to be your definition of perfection. And I'll just encourage you with what uh, Paul talks about in Romans. Like if you're uh, looking at, you know, have a past of like a porn addiction or it may be a very promiscuous past where you've hooked up with a lot of people, maybe committed adultery, maybe there's somebody at the office that you're having an emotional affair with and you're dreaming about them. Uh, what I would encourage you to do is what Paul says is to renew your mind by the washing of the water of the word, right? We want to have a renewed mind. You want to ask God, God, remove all of those negative sinful thoughts and let me have um, intimate thoughts towards my spouse. Yeah, and be prepared to put in the work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you're, I'm just glad you're bringing it up because we all know how you hear porn is bad. Right. Porn is bad, obviously. Like if you look at- Well, it's not obvious for a lot of people. But if you look at studies, it yeah. retards your brain. Yeah. Like literally too much porn, you know, a porn addiction literally retards your brain. It will shape your brain in a different way right. to where you're like your learning capabilities start to lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But bringing it into the comparison aspect is what uh, I think is going to open a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. It's- it's robbing you, exactly what you said, of the intimacy you right. should be having with the one person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get into this. Uh, five tips for better sex according to the Bible. Just a tip. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so better sex. <laughs> we're going to have to rate this PG-13. There we go. Way. Okay. All right. Um, Again, gonna, if you're the kids watching this, we're gonna you should have asked going, We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sex. this is Song of Solomon. Woo. Okay. First, better sex is honoring Amen. sex. He says, your eyes are doves. Not your eyes. Not your eyes. Thank her you. eyes. But he's talking to her. I'm going to keep my eyes. Uh, this is why ladies say, hello, I'm up here, right? He starts initiating sex by looking her in the eyes. And this is honoring her. You want to honor your spouse when you're um, being intimate with them. You want to be honoring of them. Uh, because they're made in the image and likeness of God. They're not just their body, they're a soul. They're, they're, they're loved by God, that Jesus died on the cross for them. You wanna be able to see your spouse the way that God sees them, uh, that you wanna honor them. One of the questions that get asked all the time is what can we do in bed? The answer is you can honor each other. Yeah. So whether it's like oral sex, anal sex, whether you're into you know toys, one of the questions we get a lot is um, like what positions can we be in, right? As long as you're honoring your spouse and they agree and there's no pain or shame or guilt, if they feel honored, then then that's then that's healthy for you. If they say I'm dishonored when you do this, 
then that's not honoring and therefore it's off the table. Yeah. That's one of the questions we get and asked it's a lot. it's just you too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one man, one woman in the covenant of marriage with honor. Yeah. And so if your spouse feels honored, if they want to serve you, praise the Lord. If you want to serve them, praise the Lord. But they get to draw the line on what is and what is not honoring. Right. Because you can't, you, can't, you can't determine if another person feels honored. Right. Right? And the same with you. You get to draw the line. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, you want to both be referees. So the first thing is this, better sex is honoring. It's also tender. Mm-hmm. Right when you he says your two breasts are like two fawns, right, baby deer, right. You don't run up on the baby deer. <laughs> no, you got to be gentle. Love is patient. Love is kind. Right. You wanna you wanna be tender with one another. Be yeah. gentle. Right. You, you you're not just kind of hit it and quit it. Wham bam. Thank you, ma'am. Like you wanna be able to 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 stoke the fire of romance. To stoke the fire of passion. Right. You want you don't want to just get in and get out and call it a day. No, right. you wanna. You, you want to you want to woo the other person, and this is what makes sex better. Uh, you want to be tender with one another. The other one that we see is it's passionate. All right, it says in there that uh, we went to the hills of frankincense and to the mountains of myrrh. We went on a safari. <laughs> he talks about going Within on each a safari. Other. Yeah, he, he talks about um, the peaks of Sinir, the peaks of Hermon, the dens and lions and mountains of leopards. All right, what are they doing? They're mixing it up. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's a missionary position, okay? Like, there is a lot of passion. Get evangelical with it. Yeah. Uh, what? Does that make sense? No. Like, you, you go out and yet, yeah, maybe, I don't know. No. That's maybe my Christian terminology. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> get Pentecostal right. with Yeah, that? we know. get a little Pentecostal, start <laughs> using our tongue on that one. <laughs> so, uh... Zagazal. <laughs> uh, okay, I told you, we want to keep this mature. Yeah. Either way, it does say this milk is under your tongue. Okay? So, it's in there. He, but the Bible says your lips are nectar, uh, honey and milk are under your tongue. There, I'm covered. All right, because it's passionate, but it's also secure. This goes back to the comparison is the enemy of intimacy. You never want to say anything negative about your spouse. He says all of these really great compliments. He is building her trust. Mm -hmm. He is saying, you are beautiful, my love, my dove. You are perfect. You have a huge neck like a tower of David. Like he is really going to town. And what is he doing? He is making her feel secure in herself. The world sends so many messages to women, especially that, you know, buy this product and you will be beautiful. No, 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 no. We want our spouse to feel safe and secure with us. And that's how they have this free relationship because he says, my, my desires for you, her desires for me, my beloved is mine, I am his, I'm giving all of myself to you, she has given all of herself, we only have eyes for one another, and this is what I said in the sermon, that comparison is the intimacy to intimacy, but porn is the thief to your passion. Yeah. If you are the porn guy, you are going to kill the passion in the bedroom. Or porn girl. Or porn girl, because yeah. pornography is not just a guy problem, it's actually increasing uh, exponentially among uh, among women. Uh, if you have a porn problem, get help. Go to covenanteyes.com, go to x3watch.com, get an accountability partner, right? The easiest way is for you to hand someone your phone, set parental lock, and then have them create their own password that you do not know, and if you really want to beat it, have them. <laughs> and I thank you. You really want to d- defeat the enemy. Go ahead. <laughs> have them just forget the number. Have them forget the number. Take their phone. <laughs> you guys can beat it together. Number four. Service. I'm so glad we only get like 25 views on the rundown. <laughs> Just for now. That's okay. Five tips for better sex. Sex in the Bible. Sex is holy. 
And God's way is not just the best way. God's way is the right way. She says, I am a spring locked, a fountain sealed. Sex is set apart as something different altogether. It's true. It's what separates one relationship in marriage to every other relationship that there is. And it's the sexual relationship of a marriage. And it, it transcends the natural life. It does. You know? Yeah. And, it's and, and it's to be wholly set apart. But I know that many people have not been holy in this area, right? Uh, you know, I was sexually active before and with Ashley before we were married. Um, she was sexually active before and with bef- while we were dating. All of us, uh, 92%, I believe, of the population who get married uh, have already lost their virginity. The average age of losing your virginity is around the age of 16 today. So, I mean, like, this is, I know my church, I know our congregation. And so, when I hit this part about sex being holy, people are like, well, I'm damaged goods already. Well, that word holy has a second meaning, which also means to be touched by God. Right. That God makes something holy. You don't make yourself holy. God makes you holy. And the moment you become a Christian, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. You have been blessed by God. And what I always tell people is this. When you get married, your sex life will change. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I say, well, because you've never had sex God's way. Yeah. You've always had sinful sex. You have never had holy sex that's been blessed mm-hmm. by God. So sex before, you might have had your orgasm, you might have had an erection, you might have been able to have pleasure and passion in it, but it was always sinful. It was never the kingdom of God in your bedroom. And once you get into marriage and you put God first in your marriage, then your sex life will change because now it's been touched and blessed by God because sex is the gift that God gives on the wedding. Like That is the wedding gift. I can absolutely attest to that. It becomes a different experience it does and it's definitely for the better yeah definitely for my the pastor growing up always said that sex is a form of physical prayer that you are delighting in the glories of god I, as you I are understand that now yeah. Yeah. yeah as you're intimate with your spouse you are delighting in the glories of god this is why in chapter 5 verse 1 it says eat friends drink be drunk with love god wants for us to be intoxicated drunk with love as our uh, towards our spouse. Mm-hmm. And that is the wedding gift. It's the wedding day, it's the wedding night, and then the wedding gift is reserved for husbands and wives in marriage because that's how, that's the way God intended it for it to be. Yeah. So yeah. So there's five tips for better sex according to the Bible. We might have skipped Bible. number four, did we? I don't know. Service? Yeah. No, that wasn't one. Did we hit Secure? Some? No, we got it. We hit it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> five we're tips for better sex according to the Bible. Song of Solomon. We have a lot of fun. We want you to join us on Sunday. Uh, to listen as we continue the series. Trevor? Yeah, because where else would you go to learn about sex than the church? Yes, right? that's it's right. in the Bible. That's why we're talking about it. And we'd love for you to join us. Guys, yep. do not forget to like, share, and subscribe. Hey, if you're on Facebook watching live stream, go ahead and give this post to share. We'd love to see your comments and interact with you. And we'll see you next week for Song of Solomon, week five. See you next week.